And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello, everyone. It is the newest edition of the Weighing In Podcast. And yes, after having the MMA gods change all kinds of things and alter our our ability to even know who is going to fight who, we got another show here. But we do want to get serious for a little bit. We want to talk about some things that are going on. I want to introduce my man, the punk Josh Thompson. First, how you doing, brother? Well, you know, I'm a little red around the faces because I'm just, I'm always hot, baby. You know the rules. You know the rules. I got the hairline. I got the jawline, the smile. I got got it all. What can I say? I'm just, I know. You got the bullshit line, too. That's right. And I'm just here to just (laughs) blow it up everyone's ass today, buddy. It's going to be fun. I got a lot. I got a lot of heat in the comment section. And, you know, I like to grimace through that thing a little bit and have fun with it. But I decided... Because it drives Podcast Dave crazy when I comment. And so I decided to hold it all in just to deliver it to all you guys today, right now on this show. So, Oh, there it is. But, so I was just doing this to start off have, the show to cool myself have, down. Cool we need to have Dave down. pull up some of them comments that, that are ripping you so you can, you can talk <laughs> oh, about them. Oh, it's so great. I love it. This is so much fun. Look, do you guys really think... I just look at it. Do you think that Chael, Rogan... Shab, any of those guys. Do you think any of them go through the comment section? No. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely you know why? not. Because they don't care. But because they're smart. <laughs> no, but it's you know, I sit sometimes I'm sitting like when I'm sitting in the ice bath. I'll sit there and flip through the comments. When I'm at the airport, I'll sit there and flip through the comments. I love it. I like to have fun with it. It doesn't bother me at all. But I also like to get some feedback. Sometimes people have some good criticism. How come you said this? How come you said that? Well, it gives me a little bit of some some um ideas on how to combat where they're coming from and uh it's good to listen to the people that really listen to your show i mean you can tell that not all of them actually went through and listened to it because they say one thing it's almost like they turned it off as soon as i said the one thing but they wait they didn't wait 10 seconds later where i said that either i was that i made a better point about that person or whatever it was but anyways let's get into some other stuff we do have some serious news to talk about john go ahead yeah, the the one thing I want to talk about first is we we did lose somebody that was very special in the, the sport of MMA, Elias Theodoro, who was a great person, great fighter, uh, was with the UFC. He won the uh, I think it was the Battle of the Nations or something called for tough. He won that. He was eight and three in the UFC. His only losses were uh, decision losses. He never was stopped in a fight. First loss, I think, was Thiago Santos. I did his Sam Alvey fight where he beat Sam Alvey. I mean, the guy was not only a good fighter, he was a great human being, super nice. Unfortunately, he was way too good looking. That was the one thing that was really bad. It was almost like a Luke Rockhold thing. You look and you go, man, that's just wrong that someone's that good. And he had the flowing hair. He had the whole Fabio look. But unfortunately, that you know, the toughest fight of his life, he wasn't able to win. And the uh, liver cancer took him at the age of 34. I just want to say to his family, to his friends, you know, prayers and condolences to you. I am so sorry. You had an incredible man that was part of your lives. The guy was as kind and as uh, kind and as cool as you could get. Because I never heard him say a bad word about another person. He was always had a smile on his face. He was even a ring card boy for Invicta. You know, he did that for Shannon Knapp. And I, I thought when that, when he did that, a lot of people were like, what is he doing? I go, 
That's one of the greatest things because he's showing that he can just have fun and he is enjoying life. And it was a neat thing that he did. He did it a couple of times for him. Even I think he even put on the spandex kind of pants that the, the rink guard girls from Invicta wore. So just an unbelievable human being. And we're all in a position where we have lost someone that was just an outstanding human and we're all going to suffer for it. John, I never had an opportunity to meet him. Um, I don't even think in passing I had ever come across him. Uh, but I have spent a little bit of time because I knew we were going to talk about him today. It was People have nothing but great things to say about him. And that lets you know a lot about his character and the things that they were saying, not just about the fact that he was good looking, John. Okay. Hey, boy. He, he was a great Too good person. Looking. He was a great person. He was a hell of a fighter. And there was a lot of actual criticism that there was no, there was really no reason to let him go because he, nope. the only people he lost to were really good fighters that you look at now and go, they're still there. You know, yep. um, Santos just left, but yep. I mean, he was still there. Guys um, that fought for championships. Exactly. So he was a talented fighter. It's, uh, obviously it's very hard to deal with when someone goes at 34. It's just way too young. Yeah. Way too young. Just ridiculous. So, um, Send out all of our condolences to the Wayne and podcast. Send it out to them and their family, their friends. And um, sad, man. It really is sad. So, and what you said about the being the ring card male for ring card boy, man, ring card boy for Invicta. I think in a moment like this, a lot of people need to remember that life is not that serious. No, it really isn't. You know, and. You guys give me a hard time about the comments. You guys, and we give myself a hard time all the time about the comments. I have fun, man. And John, you've been around me long enough to understand. All I do is I want to have fun. And he, I'm, like I said, I've never met him. But everybody that I've read in the comments just said how wonderful he was to be around. Lighthearted, always smiling. You know, long hair. Like he, he went with the flow. And I just, the comments that I read, because I read the comments, everyone had something great to say about him. And uh, that lets you know that we lost a good one. So yeah, we did. And then all I can say is, you know, Elias, rest in peace, brother. We're gonna miss you. All right. Well, um, our prayers and wishes go out to his family. We're gonna move on with uh with Wayne in. Let's uh go ahead and get on. We're talking about this fight, this fight card that's coming up this weekend. John, uh, go ahead. Let's talk about the main event first. Dude, I'll tell you what. This this is a a great main event when you look at it. It's got Corey Sanhagen, who was I think one of the best young talents out there as far as fighting. Just an incredible bantamweight. I don't know how the hell he makes bantamweight either, man. <laughs> it's like, dude, you got hollow bones, brother. But going against Yudong Song, a guy coming off of Team Alpha Male who he just is getting better and better, very tough. He's got a good chin, got a lot of power in his striking. I don't know if he's got the complete game that Corey Sanhagen does. I believe in wrestling he's a little bit better wrestler. Maybe not as good with the submission game on the ground. Definitely has got a, a disadvantage when it comes to the length in this fight. And we've seen that, you know, Corey bringing up knees up the middle. He's very dangerous with that. And it's something that Song's going to have to be very careful with. But this is really an interesting matchup. Record-wise, they're they're fairly close. You know, Song's got a couple more fights, a couple more wins, a couple more losses. But very close in their records. But I do believe that Corey Sanhagen is still ranked right now above Song. So... This is one of those uh, eliminators. This show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. We had a great weekend of fights last weekend at MyBookie.ag. There was a lot of trimming things up and changing things around after the weigh-ins. But guess what? 
The fights came through. My bookie came through with some new odds for everyone to continue their bets on or to bet again. So look, I'm just being honest. We've enjoyed being with my bookie. My bookie, if you design, if you sign up at mybookie.ag using our promo code Wayne in, you get an initial buy-in, little extra spending cash with your first initial buy-in. And then after that, you can actually, you need to spend your money one time, your winnings one time, and you can pull it out. John, that's kind of unheard of on the online gambling site. Sometimes you have to spend it multiple times to get your money out, not at mybookie.ag. Spend your winnings one time and you can pull your winnings out. Go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne. I think for me, it's really going to come down to Corey Sanhagen has fought the tougher competition. Yep. And I think that area of of combat sports is going to be very key in this fight. He's going to see a lot of things coming. He's going to deliver a lot of things towards Song Yudong that's just going to probably throw him off a tad bit. And I really believe that the height is going to be a, a, a big disadvantage for Song Yudong. He's going to have yeah. a hard time with that because as Frank Yeager found out, the knee up the middle, just a lot of little things, different types of push kicks up the middle. That will make a difference when when Song Yudong settles down to throw big shots and really bears down on his feet to throw the heavy shots. It's going to make it easier for Corey Sanhagen to come up the middle and throw the push kick up to the face, throw the knee up to the face, any of those things. Now, Corey Sanhagen may be the taller, longer fighter, but he's no slouch in defending takedowns. So no. Song Yudong is going to have to really put in the work and the timing of how he's going to deliver that takedown off of the strikes. People don't realize how it's become an art form now. There are certain fighters that they throw off certain combinations and they're able to get takedowns almost every single time, not just based off of their wrestling pedigrees. I've seen some of the best wrestlers in the world fucking can't get a takedown because they don't know how to set it up off their striking. That's right. And if Song Yudong doesn't work on that, if he hasn't made it a focus in this camp, he's going to have a hard time getting Corey Sanhagen down and not only getting him down, but holding him down. He's going to have to deliver some big shots. Corey Sanhagen is a, he's, he's special, man. He's special when it comes to his techniques on the feet, the way he puts the combinations together, his lateral movement, the way he can touch you from different angles and the little details that the casual fan at home doesn't realize. It's the feints. It's the, the movement of the feet. How many times have we heard fighters say, man, Gegard Mousasi, we thought like, I thought he was going to be so easy to take down. I thought this, then someone says the way he flinches his foot, the way he takes a little back step. Those little tiny details will freeze some of the best fighters in the world because they understand how good Corey Sanhagen is on the feet. That could be a difference in this fight. Because of the level of competition that Corey Sanhagen has fought, Song Yudong has got an uphill battle, not just because of the reach, not just because of the height, but because of all of the top-level talent that Corey Sanhagen has fought. He's going to be fighting from behind in this situation. Yeah, you just take a look at the, you know, look at his last couple of fights. We're talking guys, you know, he got to win against Frankie Edgar. Yes, he lost to Aljamain Sterling when Aljamain was able to get to his back real quick. Mm -hmm. But fights against Peter Yan, you know, th this is a guy who fought all. You take a look at the Bantamweights, mm -hmm. there's just a murderer's row, and he's fought it. He's fought all of them. Yeah. He is up there in that position where you take a look. TJ Dillashaw, he had a great fight with TJ Dillashaw, a fight that a lot of people thought he won. The only one that he hasn't fought that I can think of is he hasn't fought Marab, and I don't believe that he's fought Chito Vera. But, man, I'll tell you what, he's he is a guy that you're looking at. He's got it all. It's just a matter of 
as he matures, he's just going to get better and better. His fight IQ is way up there. He understands who he needs, you know, who he's fighting, what he needs to do and stuff. But there's some, you know, big names on there. John Lineker, you know, Asuncio. Yes, he lost to Sterling, but beat Marlon Moraes, beats Frankie Edgar, and then he's got the TJ and Peter Young uh, losses. But this guy's special, and he's going to be around for a long time, giving a lot of people trouble. And welcome to that world, Song Yudong. Yudong Song, well, sorry. Well, let, let me remind people. Didn't he take the Peter Young fight on short notice? Yes. So he took that fight on short notice, and they went the distance. Yeah, he fought it was a good, it was he good fought fight. A, he fought a great fight. Yeah, he did. And then to, to, with the T.J. Dillashaw fight, he did a lot of damage to T.J. Dillashaw. Hell that's yes, why, he that's did. That's why a lot of people thought he won that fight. He tore up his knee, man. He, he Cut him up real bad. Badly. That cut so was bad. He, he is a stud on the feet. He is a wizard on the feet. He comes up with some of the best uh, techniques, and his setups are fantastic. And what I want to remind people is this is the best division in the world right now in MMA. Yeah. You take a look across the board. In this, in this sport, period. MMA, not just the UFC. Bellator won. All the best fighters are in the Bantamweight division right now. The best. If you really want to come down to it, it uh, and even in one. That right now is D, it's uh, DJ. DJ. Exactly. And the other Mariah says it's over there. So those these are some of the best fighters in the world. They are the best cream of the crop in this sport right now is the Bantamweight division. So... I don't want to discredit Song Yudong. I don't want to take anything away from him. He's got power. He's very explosive. He he knows how to pick and choose his shots. The speed, I think he will be a little bit faster than Corey Sanhagen, but Corey's going to be a little bit harder to hit with the with the way he can lean back and get out of the way because of his reach and his range. He's going to be able to touch Song Yudong from distances that Song Yudong's going to have to be comfortable with. That reach and range poses a big problem for a lot of fighters that aren't used to that. But Song Yudong, I think, has worked with fighters that are tall, long, and lanky as well. But some fighters are just gifted at getting keeping that distance. John Jones has made a career off of that. Yeah. You know, Gus, he made a career off of that. When he you learned, can control distance, yep. you make the fight very difficult for your, for your for your opponent. I mean, it's just it's distance control is a key factor in fighting. It just it, it most people don't look at it like anything because they don't understand it. But when you understand it and you're that person that can control that distance and make someone think that they can be offensive, land a shot, they go to try, and it slides by, and now you counter, man, you're a dangerous person. If Song Yadong, or sorry, if Corey Sanhagen beats Song Yadong in this fight, the fight that I want to see the most to see who fights for the title next is Chito Vera and Corey Sanhagen. Oh. Tell me that wouldn't be a damn good fight. That would be a great fight. Be a great fight, fantastic fight. Yeah. But Dave, can you pull up Corey Sanhagen's record again? John, you brought up John Lineker. Like you yeah. go through the list of the guys that he's lost. So he's lost to Aljo, who is now this champ now, yep. right? And you go back up a little bit more. But he's beaten, like you said, Frankie. He's beaten uh, who else was up there? Scroll uh, Rafael Sansao. Uh, who else was up there? Marlon Moraes. He lost to TJ with many thought that he won that fight the damage he yep. did to tj in that fight tj had to take another year off yeah. after that that was his first fight back he then he yeah. tore up his knee he hasn't been back got, since was cut up everywhere he, he hasn't, hasn't been, been back, back since. since he hasn't been back since you are right when was that fight july that fight was in year. 2021 july of last year so tj's making his return now and then and then his fight with peter yawn he took the fight on short notice and he put out a great performance it was one-sided 
But he still had moments in that fight of, wow, that Peter Yan had to really think, okay, this is how I need to approach this guy. He's having success in these other areas. He had to adjust what he wanted to do to make sure that he wasn't going to get knocked out. He fought a great fight. They both had a great fight. I'm looking forward to seeing Corey Sanhagen fight, man. Talented, fair, very good fighter. Dave, pull up pull up uh, Yudong's record real quick. And you can take a look. And here, here's the difference that we're talking about. He does have a, a – uh, he's got a win against Marlon Vera. Ooh, look at that. So right there, that's saying something. Draw with Cody Stamen. Alejandro Perez got a win. Lost to Kyler Phillips. Kyler is a, is an unusual fighter, though, man. He's, he's a crafty fighter. Dynamic Just, and, yeah. Fat, he's, we, he's does tricky. weird things. Yeah, he's tricky. tricky. Exactly. So can happen. He got a, the win against Casey Kinney. He's fought some good, some good fighters. He has not fought mm-hmm. the, act, the actual level that I think the – we're seeing out of Sanhagen, but you know, right now, this is this is going to be a great fight. Five rounds, this is going to be a great fight. Well, we've seen Corey Sanhagen go five rounds. We've seen him go. We've seen him be able to come in on short notice and go. Haven't five rounds. seen. Have not seen Song Yudong. Yudong no, Song. I haven't seen him. Is it, is it is it Song Yudong? I think it's Song Yudong. I thought it was Song Yudong. Their names. It's first name, yeah. last name. I think is how they do it. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's Song Yudong is the way that I've the way that I've always heard it. Um, this I'm looking forward to this fight because, like I said, I give the speed advantage to Song Yudong. I give probably the strength to Song Yudong. Yep. The wrestling I'm going to give to Song Yudong. The jiu-jitsu, I'm going to probably go with Cor- go uh, with Sanhagen. Crafty off of his back, probably going to be good and dominant in the top position if he's able to get on top. I give the I give the experience of high level competition to Sanhagen. I give the going the five rounds to Sanhagen. The cardio, I'm gonna probably lean towards Sanhagen for one reason, because he's been there in the fourth and fifth round. On top and of he's that, also, he also trains at elevation. And he yeah, there I didn't even think about that. But I was thinking that he has been in these situations where he knows how to fight at a pace that he can control. Yeah, you know, and and I think that I think with the amount of power that Song Yudong throws with every shot. And the way the explosiveness that he used, you tend to slow down as the fight goes on. And so will he be able to keep that pace and throw that power as much as possible into the fourth and fifth round that he's going to need to to fight Corey Sanhagen? Because Corey Sanhagen is durable, and he will still be there in the fourth and fifth. Yep. That is the main event for this weekend's fight. Is it fight night? This is a fight night. Yeah. All right, all right. And then uh, what's the next fight on this card? Well, we don't know. Unknown fighters <laughs> fighting Yusef, it's huh? Sadiq Yusef, unknown. But the one that's a really is an interesting mm. is Chidi Njikawani against Gregory Rodriguez. In that, there's a. This is one of those fights I look at, and I look at Gregory Rodriguez, and he's getting better and better as he's been in the UFC. This is a guy that was a unbelievable jujitsu practitioner. Learn the stand-up, loves the stand-up, and sometimes never even tries to go to the ground. Against Njikawani, he needs to take the fight to the ground. Now, Njikawani's a guy started off all stand-up. Great, you know, Muay Thai background, dynamic guy, always got beat going to the ground, has worked and worked. I know he's now got a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but his black belt does not match up 
to Gregory Rodriguez is so Gregory has a distinct advantage on the ground and he should be working to take this fight there. My question is, will he? It's that's not my question though, John. My question is, can he get the fight to the ground? He's a good jujitsu guy. He's not a great wrestler. Chitty's but either is Enjikwani. Yeah, I, but Chitty's been fighting wrestlers his whole career. <laughs> I get he's not a great wrestler, but he's he's been put in that situation his whole career. He's gonna know how to defend the takedown number one, takedown number two. It's whether Rodriguez can chain them together in transition to get this takedown. Because yep. Chitty's pretty much seen it all when it comes to top-level wrestlers as well as top-level jiu-jitsu guys. Now, you said that Chitty's a black belt now in jiu-jitsu. That's great. He's not on the level of Rodriguez, which we can agree to. But he, I think he's going to have the upper hand in learning how to and what works best for him on defending the takedowns versus Rodriguez. He's going to have to hit those takedowns in the open mat to keep him away from the fence. I think if he tries to get Chitty to the fence and just grind on the takedowns there, I don't know if he's going to have a whole lot of success. Chitty being tall, long, wide base, being able to defend the takedowns from that position, and Rodriguez not being a top-level wrestler, that right there kind of gives me like Chitty has a good chance. On the feet, I'm going to give Chitty the speed. I would Rodriguez got power, though. Yep. And he's, uh, he's, power, he's, got, he's strong. He's someone that could probably muscle Chitty around, kind of impose his will on him if Chitty is not careful. So, yeah. but I think the speed and the movement is going to be key. And Chitty can hit him with a, a quick combination, get out of the way, quick combination. But will Chitty slow down as the fight goes on? That's a question because he knows Rodriguez is going to be trying to press him to the fence or trying to put him on his back foot, really try to make him exhausted in the movement. And then that'll make it easier for him to be at the takedown. Yeah. Interesting fight, though. It really is because you look at the way both of them like to fight now, they mm -hmm. both like to fight on their feet. Is Rodriguez going to be the guy that says, yeah, I'll fight you on the feet? Or is he going to be the guy that goes in there with a game plan saying, I could, but I think I'm going to be better here. We're going to find out. It's an interesting uh, situation for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Aspen Ladd taking on Sarah McMahon. Interesting fight. Sarah McMahon being still one of the best wrestlers when it comes to women's wrestling, there, um, women's MMA there's ever been. Silver medalist in the Olympics. Fantastic wrestling background. Aspen Ladd. Good stand-up, good ground, but can she withstand the ground and pound of Sarah McMahon? Sarah McMahon's stand-up has really come a long ways. The real question for me is, look, Sarah McMahon's getting older, let's be honest. You know, she's up there now. Dave, pull up Sarah McMahon's uh, age. I have to say it's at least 38. 38. Yeah, 37, 38. And I, I hate 41. 41. 41. Holy 41. Shit. You know, and dude, she's still in unbelievable shape. She's an incredible athlete, but there comes that point where it starts to, you know, change over. Is this the one? Sarah, Sarah has always had that ability to be dominant in fights, but then fall into areas where all of a sudden she's just not fighting smart. Fight IQ is one of the things that I would say has always been a limiting factor. Not that she's not a bright individual. Sometimes in the fight does not make good decisions. So I look at this. I think it's a great matchup. If Aspen Ladd wins it, she's going to win it by attrition, by staying in the grind and being there and making Sarah work to a point where then she can start to take over the fight. I think Sarah McMahon getting the win is going to come in and just overwhelm 
Aspen Ladder. If she can do that, that's how she gets her win. Yeah, I think the wrestling is going to be key. She's going to, I think Sarah McMahon's going to really have to push the pace on the wrestling, grind on her, make her a little heavier. And as Aspen Ladd slows down, it'll be easier for her to land the bigger shots. Sarah McMahon's not bad on the feet. She just doesn't have the confidence on the feet. Yep. Why? She's, but it's getting there. The last, is, the last fight, you know, and watching her, her confidence was a lot higher as far as being on the feet. And she's got power. Look, she's she strong. Does. Physically, you yeah. can look at her and you go, damn, Sarah McMahon yeah. is a strong individual. She's got power in her hands. She just needs to believe. But then we go back to Aspen Ladd. She has confidence issues as well. So like yeah. he, she gets done True. with certain, or she goes back to the corner of certain fights, you know, corners yelling at her, trying to get her motivated. And it's like. She wasn't complaining about that. Other no, people were. No, other people were. But I mean, you know, it's like you've got to believe in yourself if you want to be in this type of sport. If you don't believe yeah. in yourself, the combat sports is not for you. So she's yeah. got to believe in herself. Sarah McMahon, we know she believes in herself. There's no doubt about it. You can't become an Olympic silver medalist if you don't believe in yourself. Uh, believing in your striking, though, is a different deal. She believes in her wrestling. She believes in her control, probably, and oh, her yeah. power. But she doesn't believe in the techniques of the of the striking yet. And I do agree with you, John. She's got a lot better on the feet. But as she gets tired, she starts to wilt a little bit with the the believing in her striking. Am I doing yep. it right? Is the technique right? There's a lot. There's a process that goes through your mind. Sure. Am I opening up too much? Am I getting, I'm getting hit more than I was before. I remember when I first started sparring, John. I don't know if this happened to you. I put the gloves on and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna hit you. I'm hit you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all. That. I'm gonna <laughs> knock you. I, yeah, right." You <laughs> know, I wasn't even getting hit, but I felt like I was getting hit because the guy was hitting my gloves and my gloves, gloves were hitting your me. Face. Yeah. And so you didn't, you never, you didn't, you don't see that in boxing when you're watching De La Hoya fight, right? They're parrying stuff. They're slipping and they're moving. You, or myself, I should say. Same. They were hitting my gloves and my gloves were hitting my face. I thought I was getting hit way more than I was. My head was down. I was doing the windmill. And then I realized there's a, it's, this is a lot harder than they make it look on TV. It's a little bit more to this. And so when you're talking about people that are learning to fight and they're learning to use their stand-up, if you've been that dedicated to a sport like wrestling, you don't remember because if you're Olympic silver medals, you don't, you don't look back when you were four and five and getting thrown around and how difficult it was. You look about, you look at how hard you had to work to get there, but you start remembering mainly in the high school days, college days, you know, Olympic training center days. You remember those days, the grind in there with your friends and the people you were just on the mat with, sweating, giving it all to. In the feet, though, she was later on in her life, she's trying to learn this. It's a lot more difficult. The athleticism to do it, she used it all up in learning how to wrestle. And so it's like learning something you have never done, but at an older age, it's difficult, John. There's that, there's that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And no way am I calling her a dog. Okay, guys, please, in the comments, <laughs> there is no way I'm calling her a dog. I'm simply saying, as you get older, it becomes harder to learn something new. Sure does. Especially for someone who has been so dedicated to the sport of wrestling or so anybody that's dedicated to one thing as much as she has been dedicated to wrestling, it's really hard to switch them to go, okay, now everything you learn about wrestling is not really the same when it comes to this. You stand up more, right? Okay. Your stance, your stance a little bit shorter. Okay. You try to, you're going to utilize your kick. You're going to pivot on the ball. You're putting your head forward. Don't, don't bend your knee that way. (laughs) Shrug. You know, it's like all these little things, right? And then, uh, I tip my hat to her because she deserves it. She's really trying to get into this striking. She's 41 though, John. I agree with you, but I think she's got, I think she still has all the tools to beat Aspen Lab. So do I. It's gonna be, it's gonna I, I really fight, do. I, 
I believe I believe she can do it. She just has to believe in herself. She has to go out and do it. A couple other ones in here that are really good. Damon Jackson, who is a fun fighter to watch, very good with his submissions, going against a guy that I think is a stud in Pat Sabatini. Pat coming from the Philly area, working out with guys like Sean Brady and Eddie and all of them out there. Pat Sabatini is a stud. This is a good matchup because it's really Sabatini comes in, a lot of good wrestling, does use the ground a lot. Jackson loves the ground. Jackson's going to be taller than Sabatini, going to have length on him. But I do believe that Sabatini, as far as the ground, is good enough to stay out of the problems that Jackson can create and just slowly start to wear him down in the fight. Sabatini is the one that... Um, uh, Jesus. Drawing a blank right now. The, uh, the commentator. <laughs> Jesus. John Anik? No, no, no. Redhead. Paul the Felder. Dra the, the Irish Paul Felder. Paul Felder. Paul Gosh. Felder. I'm sorry, Paul, man. I didn't mean to do that to you. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, man. But Paul Felder's really high on Sabatini. Loves him yeah. to death. They're out of that Philly area there. Like you said, Sean Brady, Eddie Alvarez, Paul Felder, all that. They, they've got a good crew that's coming out of there right now. And we had Sean Brady on the show. He was talking about, like, you guys haven't even seen some of our younger guys that are coming up. Just studs on the ground. Good wrestlers. And they all come with that barreled back, right? Just that weird back <laughs> figure, just just all ripped and shredded, like it big just, old lats. Too much lat lats. muscle, man. Just, yeah, whoop. yeah. They're just back there, just doing the lat muscle workout. That's it. That's all they're doing. And um, yeah, he he's uh he's a gamer. Sabatini's someone who's gonna press the pace, grind on you, make you work from every position, never stopping the scrambles, and that's gonna come down to um. To whether Jackson can to weather that storm. Sure, he's gonna maybe be able to catch him in transition or something, but I just think Sabatini's gonna be too much of a dog. I mean, I'm not trying to pick sides right now. I'm just simply saying Sabatini has that dog in him that we like to talk about a lot. I love following followers that have fighters that have that dog in them because they're just the fun fights. Do you know every single time they're gonna leave it out there? And those are the ones that I want to tune in to watch every single time. Well, then you're going to talk about the next guy because you kept on saying his name last week, thinking Daniel Rodriguez was this guy. Ah. But <laughs> here comes Fluffy, baby. Yeah. Anthony Hernandez against Mark andre Barrio. Barrio's been outstanding, but he did get lit up. I believe it was in his last fight against Chidi Njikawani, ah. who just put it on him. In it. But this is going to be an interesting fight. With Anthony and the way he went, oh, I'm sorry, he's got a win against Jordan Wright since then. So mm -hmm. he does that. He came back, got a win, but Njikawani had a quick, very fast. I think it was what, like 19 seconds, some 15 mm. seconds, something like that. But uh, this is an interesting fight. Tough, tough guy in Barrio. Tough guy in Anthony Hernandez. They're going to be grinding on each other. They're, neither one's going to take a backward step. This is going to be a fun, fun fight to watch. I always get him and Rodriguez mixed. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea why. Do they? I, I'm a, Hernandez has tattoos. Yes. Yeah, but Josh, yes. you get him mixed up with any uh, Latino fighter in the roster. Yeah. If someone's Hispanic, he's going with Anthony Hernandez. Guys, is that fluffy? Yeah, he's like, he's like is, is that fluffy? Like <laughs> is that fluffy? Don't, don't do that to me. You guys are just now. <laughs> you guys are ruining me. Anyways, ah, uh, oh. Hernandez, man, like he's a dog. He's I love the way he fights. He will get after you. His fight with uh, with the jiu-jitsu guy. What was his name? Vieira. Vieira. Adolfo Vieira. Fantastic fight. He could have. He should have been submitted. Probably. He two, submitted three. him. 
No, no, I know, but I'm saying he should have been submitted probably two or three times oh, in that yeah. first two and a half minutes. Tough. He got out of every submission. He got out of every attempt, and he was still there. And I believe he took that fight on short notice. We went back. I, I, think I that don't fight, remember was, if he did or not. But I think man, he came was, in on like like a week's was, notice or ten no days. No matter notice. what, it was impressive it as was hell very, because he fought out of numerous submissions. Yeah. And then submitted a guy that no one would have ever, would have ever put thought. money down. Someone would have, someone would have looked at me and said, "Hey, you can go to my bookie and bet <laughs> on minus ten thousand that Anthony Hernandez is going to uh, submit Adolfo Vieira." Guess what, dude? Ain't going to happen. No, <laughs> and it did. No. It you should have told someone like you would have told someone. Nah, I wouldn't even put fifty bucks on it. It's a waste. I would, I, dude. I wouldn't put ten dollars on that. Yeah, giving yeah. my money away. Damn, they would have walked away with twenty thousand. Oh, you, you ruined someone's life. Big man. <laughs> oh man, uh, John, is there any other fights on this card you want to talk about? I know you have your uh, the one that you tend to like is Mrs. Agapova. She's fighting yeah. Jillian Robertson. Jillian Robertson is a tough fight for her though because Jillian on the ground is going to give her problems, and if there's an area that Agapova has problems, it's when someone is really good on the ground. Now on the ground. When Agapova stays on her feet, she's dangerous, and she can be dangerous for Jillian. But this fight hits the ground. I'm going with Jillian Robertson. Is it Agapova or is it Agapova? I, you know, I think it's I think it's Agapova. Question. I think it's Agapova. But you know what? I think I've called her Agapova like 15, 16, 30, yeah. 30 times. But uh, I think the last time I heard uh, DC and them, I think it was Agapova. I think is what they were, her last name. Bottom line is, she's fantastic when she's leading the dance. When she's the when she's the hammer, she yep. she's yeah. When she's the hammer, she's doing a great job, sticking and moving, staying long, pushing up the middle. But when it comes to being the nail, yes. When it comes to being the nail, it's not there, man. She's she, she, the the wheels fall off the cart, dude. Well, here's the thing, though, John, and and that's normal, but that's normal for young fighters too. I got a lot of flack last weekend because there's a lot of newspaper clippings out there taking what I said about Exactly. Boy, you already started Chimaev. I started something right there. Kamzat Chimaev <laughs> about his fight IQ. This is the thing. I look at her, I look at Agapova, and I say the same thing. It don't no, I'm not comparing the two of them. I'm simply saying is that they fight so hard in the beginning portions of their fight. They don't. They don't think in the future. Now, Chamayev has been able. They're to, not leaving any reserves if no. things don't go the way they expect them to go. Exactly. If they're not able to finish the fight fairly quickly, they are starting to now be at a deficit yeah. based upon they get tired. Yeah, which is normal. And, and I look at her. She's a young fighter. She's she has some experience. She's doing well. But she she makes mistakes. She continues to try to press on something that's not there, and when the when the issue is there, when when the when the the strike that lands and presents itself to potentially end the fight, she has nothing left in the tank to finish it. So that's what I'm talking about. Fight IQ. I'll get into the Chamayev stuff later because I'm gonna do a special bit just for for all of you guys that were ridiculing me. I'm gonna break <laughs> it down. I'm gonna break it down for you guys and make let you guys you know. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna educate. I'm gonna educate you guys. I'm gonna Ooh. educate the casuals. That's what I'm gonna do. But uh, we're gonna have some fun with it. But she's a talented fighter. She's got a lot of skill. But I agree with you, John. If this thing hits the ground, she tends to wilt a little bit. 
She doesn't handle the pressure well. She doesn't focus on getting up as much as she should versus she stands on the bottom and tries to land strikes or tries to kick you back. She doesn't work on getting back to her feet. That's it. So I'm always, I get excited about fighting, watching her fight though, because she is, she's super aggressive and she's fun to watch. Yeah, very true. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk and uh, we're going to move on. Dave, what do you got for us for some news? Uh, well, actually, there's a boxing fight this weekend, so I wanted to give oh. you guys a chance to preview that yes, real quick. Yes, there is. Move on. Mr. Little, Triple G coming little back small one. for... Little small boxing you know, But match. you know what? It's you know. funny, Josh, this is small compared to what it was before. Yeah. When these guys first met the first time, it was yeah. huge. Even the second one was big. And this one's kind of flying right under the radar. A lot of no one's really talking about it. Triple G being a guy that was just a you know a monster in the middleweight division, going against Canelo Alvarez again. This one, you know, this is for the super middleweight title. The first one, there was no doubt in my mind. Triple G won that fight, easily won that fight. Second one, Canelo made a lot of adjustments and fought much better, closer fight. Tough fight. I'll give it to Canelo. So I'm going to go, even though they have a draw and a win for Canelo, I'm going to say this is my rubber match for him because there's no way Triple G lost the first one. He won yeah. the first fight. Canelo wins the second one. This is the rubber match. But the biggest problem for me is Gennady's not the same fighter anymore. He's older. Yep. Uh, I don't really have a problem. Um, I, I hate that they waited so long to do the third fight. Uh, Canelo went off and did his thing. I really feel like you said that it flew under the radar. I think radar. I feel like every boxing match right now is flying under the radar, except if your name is Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua will not fly under the radar. No, it absolutely. If not. they put that one know. together, well, because they're they're finally able to market a heavyweight. They're finally able to have a heavyweight in the bo- the heavyweight boxer who's hands down the best heavyweight we've had. At, for the longest time true they've they've been clamoring for that i mean when was the last time we had a really good heavyweight champion well hold on when you say really good we've had some really good ones klitschko was he was a good fighter he was he he was a boring fighter and he was was he boring not only was he boring but there was never a lot of good talent in that time exactly that's that's what i was trying to say is and there was never anyone that could really challenge him because there just wasn't that you know heavyweight that was out there that you said, oh, that guy's good enough to beat him. So you take a look, and that was once Lennox Lewis went away, that was, it was kind of over for that. But you know, you take a look at you know the heavyweights. Think about it. You know, you go to the seventies and it was Ali, and you go to the eighties, it was really Larry Holmes. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the nineties, it was Mike Tyson. Yeah, right little bit off of Mike Tyson you could put with Evander Holyfield, but then it kind of like... Yeah, because you had Riddick Bowe that was a flash in the pan. You had some other guys that were... What was the other guy? Oh, man. Uh, you had just you had some heavyweight guys that were good. They just were flashes in the pan. Well, yeah, you, know, you they, had good people. You had you know Trevor Burbick. He's a good fighter, but eh. You had Frank Bruno from, from Britain. Good fighter, but eh. Pinklin Thomas. Good fighter, but eh. Not the guy that you could look at and you know the Mike Tyson that you went, God damn, that dude yeah. is freaking awesome. 
not the guy like the Evander Holyfield that you looked and said, man, what a tough son of a bitch that just stands there and takes shots and gives shots and fights guys like Riddick Bowe that are so much bigger than him and everything. Just amazing at that time. Yeah. And then it, it, it's at least now when you've got Tyson Fury and if you – look, at, I'm being honest. Anthony Joshua is not the best fighter to put against Tyson Fury. It would be Usyk. You know, Alexander Usyk would be the guy that you would say, but he comes from the cruiserweights and he's small compared to Tyson Fury. That's Everyone's trouble. Small compared to Tyson Fury, everyone's small. <laughs> That's true. Let's be honest. Let's be That's honest. True. I think but, the mobility, the speed, the reach, the way he his head movement, all of his he may not look the athletic part, but he's athletic for that size. Oh yeah, and. Dude. For a guy that's six foot nine and weighing in at two hundred and sixty pounds, or you know fifty something, depending upon you know what fight it is, that dude can be on his toes moving for a lot of that fight. Yep. You know, and he's got good footwork. He's got great balance. He's got great movement. His hands are you know free. This is a guy that's doing things that Ali used to do, putting his hands up on the ropes and just moving his head and stuff. You don't see heavyweights doing those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. I think what happened was he. He was always a good fighter, but he went through that battle with depression and, you know, and just being suicidal. And We all have problems, those, man. doesn't matter who all, you are. We all do, but then for him to come out on top and then for him to show his real personality, yep. he really has garnered just the love of the fans. Oh, yeah. And everyone, the support of him and the way he, the way he rose up off the canvas after the Wilder knockdown. Like The like, Undertaker. Like The Undertaker. Wow. Just... He got back to his feet, weathered the storm, had just a, had a great fight. And then came back and the way he put the the exclamation point on the on the the next fight with him. Next two. He yeah, next two. I mean, he he's he's a fighter through and through. I think fans are clamoring to see him fight as much as they possibly can. Boxing has hit a stage, and I'm a boxing fan, but boxing hit a stage now where you have Dominant fighters where promoters have gotten the fucking way, and you don't get to see these fights for years. This this Triple G and Canelo, this run this all the way back to where we started. Yeah. This Triple G and Canelo fight should have happened. What I'd say six months after the the, third, the second fight happened. Yeah, it should have happened three years. It should have happened. Yeah, it should have happened before all this, and it just didn't. And now you're you're seeing Canelo. Sure, he's been fighting up, you know, in weight class. He's been fighting bigger guys. Been he's been trying to make it interesting. But no one's interested in seeing him fight guys that they never really heard of. You want to take the guys that are really good, extremely talented, and you want to mash them up. But promoters get in the way, fighters get in their own way. All of these things happen. I'm just I'm glad we get to see the fight, but I have to agree with you that I think Triple G is it's gonna be a little bit too old for him. The speed's gonna be a little bit of a factor. Canelo's been active as hell. Yep. And so he's gonna be on point. Triple G is I don't. Has he fought since their last fight? Yeah, yeah, he's fought mo multiple one, times, one, but still one or two times. It's, it's all the big drama show. Big drama. No, show. big drama show. Yeah. <laughs> Can you look it up, Dave? I, I think he's fought twice. Is it twice? Got it loading right now. Um, um extremely talented. Since what fight? Since Canelo and his last fight. Yeah, no, one, two, three, oh, four, four Jesus. fights. Four fights. Damn. Oh, Canelo. That's, that would be him, Sal Alvarez. Yeah. He's looking for Canelo. <laughs> Jesus. 
I don't know. I don't watch Baldwin. That's all right, brother. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, my God. I should sorry. not be laughing. It is not your fault. So great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, if it if it was WWE, he would have picked out the name right away, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't forget the uh, the one and only Punk, the greatest Punk of all time, CM Punk, when he came over oh, to see, the UFC, is. he used the name CM Punk. So you know you can't put it past. <laughs> oh man, he did. He did not use <laughs> Phil Brooks, but mm. I, so I, the, the, go ahead. This fight's gonna take place on the Zone, which. I didn't know it was still around after, like, when COVID hit. Oh, it's, it's, it's still around. It's still around. Doing still. boxing. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, it's going to be on the zone. I know they had a deal with Canelo previously. Yeah. And that he all got away from felt, that. He got away from that. That and whole thing fell apart. Then yeah. he went back after, I think it was with Showtime for a little bit, and then, uh, hey, go where the money's at. That's what was, That's what you're supposed to do. That was when he was with De La Hoya, right? Yeah, was he was with De La Hoya, and then I think he left there, and then he left De La Hoya, and then now he's circled yep. back. Interesting. Yeah, on October fifteenth, there's two fights that we got to talk about real quick. You have a rematch between Devin Haney and George Cambosis Jr. And I'm telling you, the first fight was a good fight. Cambosis is just a stud. He beat Taylor Filo Lopez. Hmm. Tough dude, just a tough. You know. He's he's big into his Greek heritage and stuff, but Devin Haney is just a freaking technical monster as far as such a good boxer and stuff. But they're going to have their rematch on October 15th. And also on October 15th, you have Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber, coming back, and he's fighting Robert Hellenius, and that should be a really good fight. That's a 12-round fight. I don't believe it's for any title or anything like that, but that's a big heavyweight fight. Oh, I will, I'm always encouraged to watch Wilder. Yeah. I don't know why people don't. They got a lot of shady shit to say about him, like, like they don't like him. Oh, he's got one punch. I'm sorry, man, but well, he I'll has tell you what. Great... Other than a guy named Tyson Fury, tell me who's beating him. Yeah, that's true. It's so weird. I'm surprised you never saw the fight between Joshua and Wilder. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a great fight. Josh, no, Joshua's people were like, Josh, oh, no, absolutely not. We're not letting that, that one that 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 right hand from hell. No. Hell no, we're not letting that monster <laughs> in the same ring as our guy. No way, smart, That's smart it. by their part. Yeah. Uh, anything else? What do you ask for, Dave? Uh, from me. So, uh, our next topic we're going to talk about is something that you guys want to talk about over the weekend, but I did not let you because of time. Um, so we talked about um, kind of recapping Nate's process i guess for lack of a better term from the leon fight to finally getting the hams that fight to being done with the ufc and just the whole nate diaz versus the ufc thing where along the way he's tweeting you know almost every other month where he's saying yeah you know, give me chandler give me tony give me Connor give me poirier Trilogy. give me poirier right he wanted all these give, give me francis and ganu <laughs> and then finally saying, just give me Hamza. I don't care. I'll, I want to go fight on Bellator. Remember that when Bellator was going to Hawaii, he wanted yeah. to tweet out about fighting on I Bellator. I want to fight with my boy Yancey. Um, so just kind of that whole, looking at the whole process, how it came to fight week, he was supposed to fight Hamza. Hamza screwed up the whole thing. Um, and then he ended up fighting freaking Tony. The win he had over Tony in the fourth round submission you know, um, and then being able to walk off in his own terms, set himself up for success, and then now, kind of, you're looking at everybody talked about him versus Jake Paul, right? And uh, and it, now it looks like all the pressures on Jake Paul to get past Silva. And so I know you guys wanted to kind of 
talk through that process, break it down um, over the well, weekend. Me, so we're going to do it today. Do me, okay, do me a favor then. Pull up Nate Diaz's record for me because there's some things to bring out in this. And, you know, this is where, okay, see, Josh is looking at the comments. And so Josh in the comments is going to see everyone saying, Oh, John, you just hate the UFC and you, you just rag and throw shade on the UFC. No, I just tell the truth. And the truth is, you know, what it is. And sometimes the UFC does great things. And sometimes they do things you go, that's just shady. It's just nasty. It's why are you doing it? But if you take a look and bring up, bring up his record a little bit here, because if you look at the Leon Edwards, that was in June of 2021. All right. September of 2022 over a year that Nate sat asking for fights multiple times. Now let's go back in his career. Keep on going up in this because look at Nate really started, uh, coming into people's, you know, mindset when he was on the ultimate fighter and he did the ultimate fighter and he ends up fighting, you know, Keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on. Manny Gamburian was his opponent uh, with the Ultimate Fighter. He had the shoulder. Manny gets a shoulder injury, and Nate is the winner of the Ultimate Fighter. That was when people really started to, okay, know who he was. This show is brought to you by Zbiotics. John, go to zbiotics.com slash Wayne in. I got to tell you, since I started using this, I was on a daily routine of working out, and then I started drinking a little bit before, and then when I realized the Z-Biotics would help me get through my daily workout and routine the next day, I was getting away from my workouts. So the next, before I got my first drink the night before, I'd take the Z-Biotics, go about my night of drinking, wake up the next day, feeling refreshed, feeling good to go, kept my routine on the mats, training jiu-jitsu, in the gym, lifting weights, and of course, hitting my cardio, my machines, my treadmill. Z-Biotics has worked for me, John. Well, we all know that you drink too much, Josh, because I personally have seen it many times. But Zbiotics is the first pre-alcohol probiotic genetically engineered to actually alter what alcohol does inside your body. And that's amazing when you think about it. When I travel now, anytime I go out and drink and we're on tour doing whatever it is we're doing, I use my Zbiotics beforehand. And when I use my Zbiotics beforehand, I can still wake up and go for a run like I talked about earlier, which is important when I'm on the road traveling. Of course, we like to tip back a couple whiskeys. We like to get a little, you know, frisky every once in a while. And during that process of me drinking my Z-Biotics before, waking up the next morning, feeling great, getting my workout in, that's important to me. That's how I keep these good looks, my man. You know, you hear it all the time. People tell me, Josh, you still look good. Still got the hairline. Well, because I can get up and still work out with my Z-Biotics. I want everyone to realize that this was not made by someone like me or Josh. This was done by PhD scientists, guys that really understood how to break this down and use probiotics in a way that makes it safe for you and helps you in taking that alcohol and making it go away from your system like it normally attacks it in the way. No, not anymore. This Z-Biotics is going to make you feel much better in the morning. Like Josh said, Go to zbiotics.com slash weighing in. You will get 15% off of your order. And the one thing about the Zbiotics that is amazing, it is a money back guarantee. If you don't believe that it helped you feel better in the morning, if you don't like what happened after taking Zbiotics, having a couple of drinks, 
doing the right thing and at least getting some water and getting some rest, if you're not feeling better in the morning than you normally do, they will give you your money back. Halloween is right around the corner, so order a pack of Z-Biotics for you and your friends today to make sure you get it in time for candy and cocktails for Halloween. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash weighing in and use the code weighing in and check out for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this podcast. I want to thank you guys for supporting us. Head over to Zbiotics. He fights Junior Asuncio and wins with a guillotine. And then he had a couple of fights in there where he was really doing good. And, and if you take a look, he was fighting pretty often. Take a look at, you know, 2007, 2007, 2008, 2008, 2008. Three fights a year, that's a norm. That's when you're fighting in the UFC, that's a good number. You know, he fights Kurt Pellegrino. That's where he does, like, the, the double flips and things like that. But he really is the younger brother of Nick, and that's the way people were looking at him. And, and they looked at him all the way through all of these fights, and he had some great fights. Josh Neer was a tough fight, man. If you remember who Josh Neer was, the dentist. Yeah. He had a back-and-forth battle with Josh Neer. It was awesome, and he ends up getting the win by decision. Uh, he lost to Clay Guida on a, on a split decision. He lost to Joe Stevenson. Comes back, beats Melvin Gillard by, by submission. Loses to Gray Maynard on a split decision, then beats him later on, knocks him out, if you recall, mm-hmm. um, just a little bit later. But there was that moment where you were looking, and he was always that younger brother, of Nick, and then he had the Donald Cerrone fight. I'm sorry. He had the fucking Takanori Gomi fight, who was, if you remember, Nick fought Takanori Gomi in Pride Mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. Yep, I was there. Right? And Nick put it on Takanori Gomi after Takanori Gomi put it on Nick. He cut Nick up, had Nick, you know, big old cuts under his eyes, and he was... He was so tired in the fight. He's trying to point to the referee, you know, to look at his eyes. You know, you need to stop this fight. And Nick just kept coming. Nick ends up catching him in a go-go plata. And then Nathan gets the shot to fight Takanori Goma, and he submits him, submits him by an armbar. And that was the start. That was when all of a sudden people started to look at him, and they go, man, you know, he's very much like his brother, and he got a win against Goma. Then he fought Donald Cerrone. And when he fought Cowboy, if you recall that fight, Ooh, Josh, that was he nasty. put it he put it on Cowboy. I mean, no one, no one would have thought Cowboy would have gotten beaten in the stand-up as bad as he got beat against Nate in that fight. It just was Nate's night. It wasn't Cowboy's fight. He beats Ben, you know, beats uh Jim Miller. Then he loses a couple of fights, Benson Henderson, and he loses to you in the first fight that he actually gets stopped in. And you look at all these fights, and they're all these good fights, and he, he gets these wins, and he's always talking and, and building himself up, but it was finally when he got to the Conor McGregor. That taking of that fight, I think it was he took it on 10 days' notice because Conor was supposed to fight. Who was Conor supposed to fight in that damn... Uh, Rafael de Sanjos. RDA. Remember the red panty night? They had the whole thing and stuff and everything. And... He pulls out, I think, broken foot or something like that. And then he gets the win against Connor. And that's what, you know, the, again, it's the attitude and it was the belief in himself of, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. 
you know, hey, that was it because he wasn't. He's like, I, I can beat this guy, you know, and he coming in. There's a lot, you know, a lot of people that had no, I, you know, no, no belief that he could beat Connor. And okay, I was one of the ones, that, you know, people were saying I was an idiot, thinking, hey, I'm telling you right now, man, he that fight hits the ground. He's gonna beat Connor, and on the feet, it's gonna be close. Connor's faster, no doubt about that. The the southpaw southpaw is gonna be a little bit different for both of them, but don't be surprised that if Nate Diaz tags Connor multiple times, he he fires shots from odd angles and you don't see him coming and he'll hit you. And from that point, you know, his career, he didn't have that many fights, but every time he fought, it was special. You know, and it was after the fight, what he would do was special because after, when he fought Anthony Pettis and, and I honestly believe that was one of Pettis's best fights. Pettis fought a great fight against Nate Diaz, broke his hands you know, and they ended up stopping the fight. But, you know, Nate, again, the pressure just overtook Pettis in the fight. But afterwards, he set up the BMF. You know, he set that whole thing up with Masvidal. He helped make Masvidal. Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest. Okay? In that moment, based upon Masvidal coming off of, you know, the Ben Askren flying knee, five-second knockout, He's a bad motherfucker. You know what? I only want, that's who I, that's the kind of guys I want to, I want to fight bad motherfuckers and he creates it. And it's all of these things as they go, the UFC is eating it up, eating it up because they have them under contract and everything and everything is good. And then it gets to the point where the whole thing with the Masvidal before it, that was where things start to change a little bit because what happened before it? USADA. USADA comes in and says, oh, he's dirty. Here's a guy that is a vegan. He, Yes, he does a ton of cannabis, but he doesn't take anything bad as far as, you know, performance enhancing, anything like that. And they come in and they say he's dirty, and the UFC tells him, hey, you know what? Let's just let's get through the fight, and we'll handle this. And he goes, nope, I'm, not, I'm done. I'm out. He says, I haven't taken shit. I don't know what the fuck they're testing. But they can kiss my ass. I'm out. And this is the these this is the kind of thing that you know when you look at a guy that is willing to say, I don't care. I'll step away. It's not easy to do, man. It's tough. You know, and he did that, and from that point, it seemed like they were like being slow with him. Yeah. You know? And, you know, there's big, big drops between now COVID, you know, part of might've been part of that and stuff, but this is a guy that was a moneymaker for him and they knew he, they were, he was coming to the end of that contract and you know, you know, before, after that Leon Edwards, that whole year, Josh, he's asking, you've got all the tweets. We saw all the tweets and stuff that he put out with, you know, Hey, you know, I'm available to fight on this and that. And you know what they were doing. They did exactly what, you know, is we talk about what promoters do. I'm going to, I'll give you a guy that's bad for you. So if you in the contract, if you turn it down, your contract extends. Well, his contract kept extending, you know, to that point where he finally takes the fight with the guy that they want to give him because they want him to go out on the loss. And if you look at it, something up there said, nope, we're not going to have that fight happen. And it didn't. And he fights Tony Ferguson and he walks off with a win.
and you look at it and you go, overall, I love it. Well, I had said last week, I go, I uh, the week before our show, I was like, in our movie show, I wanted him to go out a little bit special because he's brought so much to the he table. He did. And, I, and this, in a weird, fucked up way, it all worked out. <laughs> oh, it worked out. Because it, I don't know I, how. I got nothing but respect for Tony. You know, yeah. he came in and he decided to take the fight as well. You got to you gotta give credit where credit's due. Tony stepped up and took the fight. Nate said, you know what? Nate could have taken his show money or whatever his money was and just been like, no, I was here. I made weight. I'm out. You guys, that's it. It is what it is. He didn't do that. He nope. showed who he was as a person. He came out and he put on a show. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. They were criticizing, you know, oh, they looked old. They looked this. You guys, you don't ever fight the same way when your your opponents changed the week, the day before, or whereas Khabib had like five changes in a week. You're not the same fighter. No. You were preparing for one guy. And that's not who he was preparing for. Tony was a different fighter than Chemaev. Let's be, let's be honest. Completely different fight. But go back down, Dave. Where, where, uh, Nate came into where the, he won the ultimate fighter. <clears throat> Dom, duh, John, I gotta, I gotta say the same type of things that I, that you were just saying. I look when he beat Manny Garbarian and I remember him being, oh wow, this, I already knew from Nate, I already knew, or not Nate, but Nick, how good his brother was. I had already done like a grappling match against him, kind of knew him, you know, from around. He had fought in strike force, all of these things. He wins the ultimate fighter and I was like, all right. He's making his way. But then as he goes up, the fight that I really started paying attention to him was Kurt Pellegrino, where he flexes, does the middle birds, yeah. like to everyone. <laughs> that was a personality that we never really got from Nick. We got a little bit of that, like, come fight me with the Robbie Lawler fight. But we didn't get the, you know what I mean? We didn't get a lot of that showman during the fight. He was, you know, like during the Robbie Lawler fight, yeah, let's no, fight, let's fight. That's one thing. <laughs> Yeah, but this with Nate, he had a different way about him that people started clamoring for. He was doing it during the fight. He was talking to you during the fight. He was pointing his fingers at you. He wanted you to engage. He did things different than his brother. His brother did it fantastic as well. But I paid attention to him for the um for the Kurt Pellegrino fight. But then the Josh Near fight, I think, just catapulted him. That was a great fight. It was back and forth, the split decision, the battle between they're both kind of tall, long, and lanky. Both had more of a boxing-centric type style of fighting. You know, it was a great fight. Then he comes on, he loses to Clay Guida. Scroll down there for me, Dave. So he loses to Clay Guida, but like we said, in the history of their fighting, then he loses to Joe Stevenson. Wrestler, what wrestlers. Wrestlers. In the yeah, history of the trouble. Diaz brothers, it's always been the wrestlers that have been able to beat him. Nick had a hard time with Diego Sanchez and guys that would just wrestle him. Nate had, or Nick did. Nate had a, a hard time with guys that would just wrestle. Clay Guida, Joe Stevenson. Then you put him against Melvin Gillard. Gets the finish. Goes on, fights Gray Maynard, another wrestler. Had a hard time with him. Gray was able to stand a lot more and stuff like that, but there was some, you know, there's some fights that a lot of the times he had a hard time was with wrestlers. Roy Markham, stand up guy. Um, Marcus Davis, stand-up guy. You get to, I don't remember who uh, Kim was. Okay, Roy McDonald, stand-up guy, but bent up to 170. Got thrown around. Got oh, thrown yeah. around like a, like a rag doll. You can almost tell like he was kind of checking where he wanted to be at. 
because he went up to 170. He's like, look, I don't want to keep killing myself to make 55. Then as he st- after after those fights, he made his run. He came back to 50 fight and fought Gomi. Fantastic fight, dominant fight, great fight, and he gets the armbar. Then he fights Donald Cerrone. Do you recall in that fight, I think it was going into the third round, he's bouncing around, pointing at Donald Cerrone. He's pointing at him, just letting him know, like, hey, I'm still here, buddy. Like, I've been putting it on you this whole fight. You haven't touched me at all. Donald Cerrone had never been shut down like that in any fight. He let all the trash Agreed. talk get to him. He let all the buildup get to him. He let everything all that stuff at the weigh-ins. He let everything yeah. get to him. And Donald Cerrone shut down in that fight. He was not the same fighter. He was getting hit from all different angles. He was getting hit with combinations. He was just getting destroyed. Yeah. It was, and it was something we had never seen from Donald Cerrone on him being dominated like that. That's what that, that catapulted him to Jim Miller. And then he just dominated Jim Miller. I believe he caught him in a submission, right? With the guillotine. Oh, yeah. yep. Caught him. And Jim Miller was kind of a wrestler slash grappler, you know, good stand-up. But that was another wrestler that he had to face that he knew was going to try to take him down, weather storm, get through his submissions. Nate Diaz then goes on to fight for the title, loses to Benson. Didn't have a great fight. I watched that nope. fight very strong. I watched it. Because we were already part, I believe we were already part, Strike Force had already been bought, I think, when that fight happened. And I think it was 2012. I think it was. It was like either right before that or right shortly after that. I was watching that fight and Nate looked late. Nate had moments, but Benson was just a step ahead. Then he fought me and then he goes on. He fought Gray Maynard and he was able to put Gray away. For the third time. Yeah, for the third time. They because fought in the ultimate. In the yes. fighter. They fought the ultimate yeah. fighter and he submitted Gray. Did Ended he submit up him? With the, yeah. Okay, I, 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 I was thinking that the time when Gray knocked himself out. I want to say it was against, a triangle. No, uh, that, Robert, no, that Robert was Emerson. against. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, but then I want people to remember this. I believe it was the Michael Johnson fight. That is the fight at the end. He goes, Conor McGregor, I'm the fucking money fight. Remember me? <laughs> I'm the guy. You want to fucking money you're fight? Taking, you're taking everything you're, from me. Yep. I'm the fucking money fight. <laughs> That's it. And the UFC did what the UFC did to basically get him to kind of go. They brought him in on last minute's notice like they did to Chad Mendez. They brought him in on last minute. It's to give him some notoriety because Connor was skyrocketing. Connor sure. was their moneymaker. Connor was the guy. And they were setting him up for failure. Of course. And Nate Diaz knew all I got to do is win this fight. Grit it. Grin and bear all the shots he can take. My chin can hold up. As this fight goes on and my pressure comes through, you won't be there. And that's what Nate has done his career. He's put pressure on people and broke them. The real question is, going back at that, and this is what kind of amazes me. And I'm sorry for breaking up your thing. No, no. But Connor up to that point really hadn't shown a weakness in getting tired. And, and even in the Chad Mendez fight, you know, he he was underneath Chad for a bit and he kept fighting. But he came out and actually, you know, was hitting Chad, Chad with those, you know, teeps to the body and broke down his body and wins the fight. I, I really would have liked to know what Nate or his team saw that told them, hey, this guy can this guy can be pushed and broken as far as cardio. Or maybe it, he just found it out that night. I think. I think honestly, they probably saw it in the Chad Mendes fight. Really? 
Because he had a full camp. He had a full camp. Now, the only thing is, how many people believe that story? That Conor McGregor apparently told Dana, I'm going to let him just shoot and shoot and shoot. I'm going to make him work for two rounds. I'm going to finish him. That Conor apparently told Dana White that, like, the day it weigh-ins or whatever. He's like, no, he's a wrestler. He's just going to try to shoot and shoot and shoot. I'm going to let him take me down, but I'm going to make him work for it. And by the second round, I'm going to knock him out. And I think I believe that's kind of where this around the Aldo fight and the and the Chad Mendes fight they started calling him Mystic Mac because yeah. of all these types of things because Dana had backed the story. I don't know how true that is. I don't know how much I want to believe it, but in that fight, I'm watching that fight going. There's difference between when you looking tired and you letting someone take you down, but he looked tired. He looked exhausted, and when you make him work, when you make him wrestle, you make him use his hair. arms. Yeah, when you make it, maybe it was. It, it Look, that's that's been known. Like the way people look and they look all frazzled with their longer sure. hair, it does make them look a little bit more tired. But he just had that, like, his arms were down a little bit more. The speed wasn't there. His accuracy on the punches, he wasn't throwing them and bringing them back like he did in the Eddie Alvarez fight. He was lunging a little bit more. There was, he was leaving himself out there to be countered. And that's where he ran into the problems. If you go back and watch the fight with, uh, with Nate. He was throwing, and then Nate was beating him to the, the combination after that. So Connor would throw, and Nate would throw two, but then Nate would throw three and four, where Connor would throw one and two. Yeah. And the, the person who lands the last shot is the one that always wears on your mind. As you're out there, like it's no different than I told the story earlier, John. I start with my first time sparring, my first several times. I'm getting hit more by myself, and you start questioning everything you're doing. Now, when you're a fighter, you're in there and you're landing the hard shot, but then you get hit at the end and you back out of the combination going, I lost that exchange. When in reality, maybe you landed the harder, cleaner shot, yep. but you're the one mentally thinking because fighting such a mental sport. You're in the one mentally thinking going, I lost that. I lost that exchange. Now you got to get it back. So you try harder. And Connor was losing. He was winning the punching, the battle of the harder shots. But Nate was hitting him with the slap at the end. Or Nate was hitting him with like a little combination oh, hit him with to the slap. shoulders. You know what I mean? And so yeah. at the end of that, Connor's going, I got to hit you again. I got to hit you again. I got I got to hit harder. And that fatigued him even more. Yeah. And if you let if you let Nate get under your skin, that just, it works against you even more. I mean, like, I brought in a guy named Rambo from Hawaii. And he just talked trash to me the whole time I was sparring with him. I always brought him in on the fifth round and when I was getting ready for Nate. And I would just have him talk trash to me. And he knew I was dog dead tired. He knew I was exhausted. So I was prepared for when Nate started talking trash to me when things weren't going my way. And it worked. I got to be honest. As soon as Nate, I threw one kick and Nate points at me is what, bitch? You just fucking kick me all day? What? That's it, pussy? Like, those are the things... That mentally, we're literally like 30 seconds into the fight and he's talking shit already. But it mentally, it did help me a lot. It helped me prepare for it because I learned my lesson with the KJ Noons fight. He started talking to me and he wasn't even talking shit to me. He was just talking to me and it made me feel awkward. It made me feel uncomfortable. I was like, this is not right. But to go back to what you were saying, there's certain fighters in my, in my career that I look at, not people that I fought, that I've looked up to in terms of, hey, You've helped change the game in the sport. And Nick and Nate Diaz are at the top of the list. They're definitely up there. To me, no it's BJ it. Penn at the very top. Because if you guys just understood how much BJ Penn did that nobody else did beforehand. <laughs> the way that the UFC structures their contracts now is strictly because of him. 
there's so many. He went off and started his own promotion. So we can blame him. We can blame him, yes. (laughs) We can blame him for all the things right now the fighters have to go through in terms of. But I look at the way that the sport has been shaped, and there's certain fighters that it's been shaped around. And Nick and Nate are at the top of the list, man. And when I go back and I look at this, then he went on, like you said, with the, the USADA situation. He understood what he possessed. He possessed power, the ability to control the power. Yep. He's like, look, I know. I know all that trash you talked about me moving the needle. It's all bullshit. I am the move. I am the money fight. Everyone knows I'm the money fight. George Mazadal knows he's the money fight. Nate Diaz is the money fight. They put that fight together, but that was the bad motherfucker belt. John, I'm glad you reminded me because I forgot about that. Yeah. It's fantastic. Sure, maybe he came out on the losing end of that stick. Uh, but he didn't no, lose. He didn't lose. It's, it's the one thing about him that is remarkable, Josh, yeah. is the, for a guy that, you know, he's got a lot of losses in his career. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lose ground off of those losses. And it's because of the way that he fights. The intensity when he, when he steps in there, he, there is, I don't quit. I just keep coming forward. I just keep on going after you. And people that resonates with him. It makes it to where people go, I don't care if he lost. Even the Leon Edwards thing at the end where you look, look, Leon beat him for four rounds cleanly and was beating him in the fifth until, I don't know, what was it? You know, maybe a minute and a half, a minute left in the fight. And he lands that shot. And he does, he points to him like, oh yeah, oh yeah. That right there changed everybody's opinion about that fight. Because yeah. now everyone's opinion isn't that Leon Edwards, you know, spanked him in all those rounds. It is Nate Diaz almost had him out and should have. That's the way people were looking at it. But here's the thing though, John. They offered him that fight knowing that if he won that fight, they could potentially put him into a title shot. That would potentially extend his contract for more fights. <laughs> True. Let's not forget Good that. Point. They Good did point. it for their needs. You, you guys well, at home, the contracts are structured. They only gave him the Leon Edwards fights because if he won that fight, that was a logical reason to give him a Usman fight. And who else would want that fight besides him? Usman. Give me the money fight. The champ wants the money fight. The money fight is who? The money fight is Nate Diaz. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Look, people can criticize what I'm saying right now, but there's no way the UFC was looking at their best interests because had he knocked out Leon Edwards, that would have put him into a title shot. As soon as you get a title shot, that extends your contracts for three more fights. As soon as you get a title shot, because they can't have you losing, they can't have you losing and then walking away. Oh, now that guy just fought for the UFC title. Now he goes and fights another promotion and gets mopped. No, they want to hold you for one or two more fights after that. So you lose those ones as well or try to get you beat or they try to build you back up if you resign or they try to get you signed for more money for that title shot. So, oh, you're going to fight Usman. Let's sign you for a six fight deal then and I'll pay you this much more money for these big fights. Yep. That's how they get you. They knew what they were doing. They knew he was on his last fight of his contract. The way that Nate Diaz has handled everything. You saw the thing was very key. I can't say it enough. Every young fighter, if the UFC comes to you and says, we'll talk about it after, Mm-mm. this was eye-opening. This especially was very Especially when eye-opening. you know. Especially when you know. I haven't taken anything. Yeah. Be in control. Yeah. Nope. Ride with I mean, it. You, 
You got to look at look 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 what they did the same thing with John Jones, right? Yeah. They they he had tested. They said wait till after it came out negative or came out that he took whatever dick pills or whatever it was, and the suspension still stood up. Other fighters have done the same thing. They've tested and then after, okay, we got the fight out of you. Now you're going to serve your suspension because that's no loss to us. It's just extended your contract. Yep. This came up. He's like, fuck you. I'm not taking anything. I've never taken anything other than weed. <laughs> and this is what he's going to do. I'm not fucking fighting this fight. You know, you, they knew it was a big ass deal. You got the rock out there presenting them the belt. Oh, fuck yeah. It dude, was a in, big dude, that, that's deal. in Madison Square Garden. It is the main event. Yeah. It's everything. They put a ton of money into the promotion of that. Yeah. They made they a fucking belt, John. They made a fucking belt. Uh, yeah. A $50,000 I mean, belt, supposedly. Yeah. And so this this is a big... this. When I said he is... Him and his brother have helped change the sport. BJ Penn, to me, is right there at the top. These guys have helped change the sport as well. These guys deserve... Nick and Nate deserve so much credit. And John, you, you said this. And I was reading the comments. People are like, oh, man, everyone loves Chemayev. They love Chemayev because he won. But I want to remind people that you're going to find out the reason why people continue to love Nick and Nate and BJ Penn and other fighters that are like this GSP, they're fucking real. John said it without me even having to talk to you about it, is that they are real fucking people. What you see is what you get. That's not true for every fighter. No, it's not. When you see them changing. close. When you see them winning fights and they're changing how they dress, they're changing how they look, they're not real. These guys are still running around in fucking Cortez's in dicky jeans and pants and shit with white shirts. They're, the only brand they same. rep is their represent brand. That's all they wear. They represent their shit. And BJ yep. is the same exact way. All he's repped is his Ruka, Ruka. His, his, his Ruka, which is his friend's brand. That's all he's ever done. He, they are real people. GSP is real to himself. You go through and follow these guys on social media, they don't change. This is exactly who they are, and they make it very clear. This that's why he didn't that's that's why they haven't lost fans. That's why they'll continue to be who they are, and they're gonna be a mainstay no matter where they go. I, I wish them nothing but the best. I admire everything they've done in the sport. I can't say enough about them. Absolutely no. can't say enough about them. I agree. And we'll anyway, see. We've, we've, the, we've the, exhausted the best, that. Well, but the best part about this is I don't want to say that Nate won. You know, Nate Nate worked his way through a situation that is very difficult to work your way through. Look, you're you're going against the giant, and it's not an easy thing to be that person that's always getting you know stepped on, and you're getting stepped on. Okay, the giant is stepping on you. He's kicking you. He's moving you. He's he's forcing you, trying to make you do those things that are going to work for him. Nate just sticks sticks with what he's doing and worked his way to all the way to the point where, hey, I'm going to do this last fight. He knew it was a bad fight for him. And, you know, somehow we talk about the MMA gods or, you know, there are MMA gods out there. And somehow he ends up not fighting him. He walks away with the win. And let's see what he does. I honestly, I'm being honest when I say I think, you know, everything that he said at the end of that, I thought he was very smart in what he said, and he thanked Dana, and he thanked the UFC, and he said, you know, hey, I may be back. And I th- honestly, I think he will be. I think eventually you will see that he's going to do something 
outside in the boxing. We've talked about it. You're the one that brought up, you know, he's going to fight Jake Paul long ago. You were, I think you were the, honestly, you're the first person I ever heard say that it's going to be Nate Diaz. Yep. And I do think he's going to fight Connor again. Where he's going to fight Connor? Probably in the UFC. Yeah. I can see that happening. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. tell a little story, but can you pull up Nick Diaz's, um, his record? Nick, not Nate. Yep. But John, he's come from when he saw his brother go through the UFC. Nate has. When oh, Nick yeah. went through the UFC, it was myself, Pete Spratt, Tiki Goshen, uh, Tim Sylvia, and it was supposed to be Nick Diaz, all on this show called The Blind Date. It was a week oh, yeah, of Blind Date. What are you talking yes. about? I remember that. It was a week of Blind Date that the UFC had set up with a network, That's right. and we were all supposed to go on it. Scroll down to the Robbie Lawler fight with Nick. Sorry, um, I, my, I'm having some issues here, so okay. I'm trying to get it off. So on the, okay. I believe it was after the, the Robbie Lawler fight, they had asked Nick to go on the blind date, like the week of all of us UFC fighters. And Nick told him he's not doing it. He went from <laughs> knocking, he, he went from fighting, and that was on national television. So oh, he, yeah. he beat, yeah. So he ends up beating uh, Robbie Lawler all the way Robbie down. Lawler right down there. Here. Okay. So he beats Robbie That's Lawler. April of 2004. Yeah. Because he had, he had just cut, you know, the fight before that was Jeremy Jackson because he had lost to Jeremy Jackson, if you recall, yeah. in the WEC. Yeah. So he beat, so he beats Jeremy Jackson. He beats yeah. Robbie Lawler. He loses oh, to Carl Parisian. What, they call it? Okay. He, what was that? That, that ended up being the WEC. The WC, okay. So he loses to um, to Carl Prigian. He goes on and beats uh, Drew Fickett. It was around that. Like, Nick Diaz is becoming a star after the Robbie Lawler thing. Then he loses to Carl, who Carl was on his way up to a title shot at the time. He was working his way up that way. He was close. Yeah. And then he gets to He Drew, did. He worked he it all the Drew. way to the point where he had the fight and he tore his hamstring. Yep. So then That's he's what started to... him having a little bit of an addiction problem. He beats Drew Fickett. He beats, uh, what's his name? Oisha, and then he beat Oishi, and then he goes, and he loses. Oishi. So during that Drew Fickett kind of Carparisian area there is where we did the uh, ultimate, we did that blind date thing. Yeah. Nate is probably on the outside looking in going, my brother's like, he's not a sellout. He turned him down. What they went on to do is they went on to just give him people that they thought could beat him. So you've got now Diego Sanchez, all jiu-jitsu and wrestling, basically at the time, no real stand-up, goes out there and just wrestles him to death. Okay, Joe Riggs, not a mainly a stand-up guy, you know. Um, but it was well, they it fought was twice. Like, they, yeah, but I'm Joe talking Riggs, about the Joe, no, no, Joe Riggs and, and and Nick fought twice. They fought that night, you know, in November it was in Vegas, and they fought in the mm -hmm. hospital too. Yeah. <laughs> So, but that, that led to a lot of trouble between them with Dana. Dana wasn't happy. The fact that they were at oh, the yeah. hospital getting into no. it because yeah. we, the UFC was still going through this whole thing because the ultimate fighter one hadn't been around yet. So no, they were still, it, it had. No, the ultimate fighter had. It just started off. It was probably, oh, two seasons in, three seasons okay. in because that, that was in 2005. Yeah, so 2004 we did. So it was rather Drew Fickett then because we were 2003 is when we did the old, when we did the blind date. Yeah, and they got pissed off at him and they were trying to get him beat. And I remember, I remember specifically we were all kind of in the hallway. Didn't do what they wanted, man. and he didn't do what they did. Dana came back and said, "Hey," and then he had lost the fight. It must have been to Caro, and he yelled at him and said, "Next time I set up a promotion for you, you fucking do it." And after that, majority of these fights, I don't believe majority of these fights were on the undercard. 
He was not a mainstay anymore like he was that they were talking about him being after the Robbie fight. And so... It's one of those things that you you look at, and it's true, because, look, Nick ended up leaving the UFC. They, they, They let him go. He had a great career in fighting for Strike Force. He fought for, you know, uh, extreme fighting. He fought for Pride. He fought for Strike Force. Becomes the Strike Force welterweight champion, and ends up going back to the UFC based upon the sell mm-hmm. of Strike Force because they've got his contract. But it's you know it's telling that you know look everything and Nate did it again after his fight. Who did he thank? Thanked his brother. Yeah, because he he looks up to him, but Nate overtook Nick, and he's a bigger he's a bigger name than Nick. He's yeah, a, he's a he's a bigger star in the sport. But look, at, Nick doesn't fucking hold that in any way. He's proud of him, you know. He's proud of his brother. He's proud of what he does. But, but Nate always, you know, gives respect to his brother. He knows. John, if if you you play golf, right? Yep. The analogy well. is this. The analogy is that first golfer. That hits the swing, he's an amateur. The second golfer, right after you hit the mulligan, he plays in the PGA Tour. That second <laughs> golfer is always better. And the reason yeah. why I say that is because Nate learned a lot, I believe. That from Nate it. learned a lot yeah. from his experiences, from his brother's experiences of dealing with promoters, dealing with promotions, dealing with managers, dealing with scummy agents, dealing with all these people that were trying to sell them something, give them something, saying they wanted something or to build them up, do whatever. Nate learned from all of those things and did it his way, just like his brother did, but his brother probably had to find out the harder way. All these things, the way that they were, he did, he made, Nate made sure that he never got taken advantage of. And when they tried to take advantage of him, he always made sure that it circled back to him being in control. Fantastic. The way he did, when, when Chael Sonnen says, when you're done in that, in that cage and after you get a win, never miss out on the opportunity to market yourself and get your next opponent. Every young fighter needs to take advantage of that because that's how Nate Diaz's career really took off. When he got up in that cage after the Michael Johnson fight and said, I'm the fucking money fight. You're taking everything I worked for. That right there set the stage on how you should handle yourself every single time in that cage. Dictate where your career goes. Don't say, Dana, whoever Dana wants for me next, I'm here. I look back at my career, John, and I fucked it up myself. By being yeah. that guy that said, you know what, I'm here, I'll take whoever, I'll fight, whatever. No, it's not tough to do that. It's actually dumb and naive and stupid. Do what these guys do. Call out the person, make that fight happen. If I wanted the Diego, or not Diego, but the, the Donald Cerrone fight and the Pettis fight, I should have been, 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 vo- been a lot more vocal about it. A lot yeah. more vocal about it. I just feel that these guys, they have changed the sport. They're going to continue to change the sport. They're going to go off maybe into boxing. They're going to do their thing. Okay, but this whole breakdown for them was really just an admiration for what they've done for the sport. I really am excited to see what is next for them. Nick and Nate, you never know. Maybe we see the Diaz brothers fight the Paul brothers. On one <laughs> card. Be, be awesome. honest. Maybe we that see be that. Awesome. You never know. So there's that to be had, I think, if everything goes according to plan. So best of luck to those guys. Like I said, got nothing but um, respect for both of them. Yep. What else you got for us, Dave? Well, we beat that up. Yes, we did. <laughs> All right. Um, so the thing we're going to wrap up on is the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, CEO coming out and saying that they're working with UFC executives to figure out if there is physical allocations from the licensees 
um, at UFC 279, but they, they ended up cancelling the press conference. And if there was, then they'll then they'll discipline them uh, up to. Let's see what they said here. Um, they basically said fines, uh, forfeit of purse, and then up to termination of licenses, denial of, wow. uh, or suspension of licenses, and and denial of new applicants as well for licenses. So, um, and then John, just a side note on that: does that mean that they could, uh, if Nate was to apply for a boxing license or anything like that, they could deny that in Nevada? If he is a licensed athlete in the state of Nevada, they have control over whether he can fight there or not. If they have a situation here where he's not a licensed athlete, they really don't have the same control because they don't have anything. Nothing hap- if, it, if it happens in a fight, they have control. He's a licensed athlete, and they can suspend. Once they suspend, that's where every regulatory body outside of it will usually follow their suspension, meaning that even if the athlete is – uh, licensed in their state, and he didn't do anything wrong in their states. They'll, they will uphold what Nevada put out as far as the athlete doing something. When it comes to this, as far as the physical altercation, Nevada has uh, levied fines against fighters for having physical altercations before, you know, the the fights. You go back to Connor and the Diaz brothers. Remember when they were throwing. Uh, monster drinks and and water bottles water at each bottles, other and yeah. stuff like that. They got fined. Hmm. Okay, now the whole part of are they going to do it in this one? And to say that you know they're, they're going to uh, uh, take their purse. They don't have a purse to take. <laughs> they already got their purse. So to sit there and say they're going to take their purse, no, they're not going to take their purse. But could they find them? Yes, they could. And what will happen is. That and this has happened to Nick many times, so I'm just saying the fine is sitting there. And then when the UFC pulls you back to Nevada to have a fight and you go to get licensed because your license has has run out over the year, you go to get licensed. Guess what they're going to say? Oh, yes, you can get licensed. In fact, you owe us $25,000. You remember this fine? You still haven't paid it. So. It's not that they, you know, fighters can try to walk away from it for a while, but if they end up fighting again in that state, stand by, you're paying that fine. Can you just tell the UFC don't book me in Vegas? Fuck yeah, I'm there's been guys. Hey, there's been guys that have done it. So, but now the other question is, like, say there's a fine outstanding in Vegas. Would California say, hey, you need to pay that fine before we license you here? Not normally, if it's a fine for something that did not happen in an actual fight where they had a suspension based upon it. Got it. I just wasn't sure if the commissions, I know they stick together when there's a suspension in one state. Yes, normally they do. But there's a difference when there's a fine. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Right, but could Dana also just like throw Steven Klubeck like $4 million and say like, hey, you know, Nate threw a bottle. Can you just like knock him off the, the application list for a couple of years and just until he's too old to box? And then... <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean that uh nathan has to go to uh, las vegas so that's yeah $4 million i don't, I don't, I don't gone. think yeah, i don't think said, they would <laughs> i don't think they would you just box said it carries over no no so, think they would, box her? he's you saying because if her? he tried to get a license there that dana would have it shut down like not to for he can't get a boxing license no dana's not going to try to shut that down i don't no. think look dana shuts a lot of things down 
Dana does a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Dana, you know, screws over people when it comes to TV shows and things like that. He's got a lot of clout and he's done it to a lot of people. I don't think he's mad at Nate. I really don't. I think in the end, he respects Nate and he respects everything, the way it ended up happening and the fact that Nate ends up fighting someone that Dana did not want him to fight. In the end, I really think Dana looks at it and goes, good job, man. One, you yeah. one up me. In the end, I tried to get you beat. It didn't work out. I'd like to have you back sometime. Okay. There's there's one other thing I wanted to get on. Uh, I sent it, I put it up in the news clip there, Dave. It was the comments by Ch- Kamzat's uh, manager or trainer saying that he was having spasms and he was like nauseated and all these other stuff. So is everybody else. It, John, the, the reason why I want to touch on this is because everyone kept telling me when I was reading the comments, but I also saw a lot of people just on Twitter normally just complaining about 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 how like Kamzat is like his trainer, like he had cut all this weight, and it was it was more of like an argument that 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 he the reason why the card it was okay that everything happened the way it did because it all worked out. In the reality of it, though, the card got all fucked up because of him, and that the UFC and the fighters are the other fighters outside of him. We're able to salvage it because they're all fucking fighters at heart. Yep. You couldn't have picked a better group of fighters. Lee was probably the one that got screwed the most. Yep. Because he should have won that fight and he didn't, but he also gave up the 10 pounds. Yep. And so he was the one that probably got screwed the most out of it all. But had it been another group of fighters, this whole card may have never happened. The fact is, Kevin Holland is someone that stepped up to the plate and was able to fight. D-Rod stepped up and fought. Leaf stepped up and fought. All of them said, let's make this thing happen. But to talk on what you were saying, never in the history have I ever seen a doctor tell them they can't fight. Like you talked about. I have never seen a doctor come in when I'm trying to make weight and go, you know what? You've lost too much. You shouldn't fight. We've seen people get carried to the scale. I've seen Gleason Tebow with his coaches being carried from the sauna to the scale and helped up on the scale. You didn't hear a doctor walk up and go, yeah, you know what? You can't walk yourself to the scale. You shouldn't be fighting. It doesn't happen, guys. So, and like, and here's the thing, John. I've said this, I don't know how many times. What's my quote? I have a quote. I used to have a quote on Instagram. It used to say, winning solves everything. This is proof that winning solves everyone, everything. People forget all of a sudden, oh, he made Holland look like shit. Da-da. I'll get into this later, but he really, he, the guy he fought was not preparing for a straight wrestler. Look no. at the guy he was supposed to fight. He was fucking preparing for a boxer. He was preparing for someone who just walked forward, threw shots with his hands, no real kicks. Yep. Different fucking fight. And yeah. let's not forget the but, touching of the gloves is very important, by the way. Let's not forget. There's a little shady there, buddy. A little, a little shady. shady. Look, but all these things. That's on Kevin. Say, that is on Kevin. It is. That is on Kevin. But let's just say that, and this is, I, I heard that uh, Jing Liang Li didn't get paid more. If that's true, I'm shocked. That's not But man. if if that's, uh, that's unfortunate. But let's just say that I heard what Kevin made. Congratulations, Kevin. That fight was worth it. 
That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think winning solves everything. This proved, like, sure. I think he lost a lot of fans. People don't think that, that Kamzat lost a lot of fans. I don't fans. think he did. I think he okay, did. Okay, and, and this is why. I look at it like, yes, he has fans that now don't like him. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's he has the evil side is the way they look at it. I want to see him get beat. He's got fans that like him, love him, want to see him win, and now he's got a shit ton of fans that don't like him and want to see someone whoop his ass. I think, in, in my opinion, he's a winner at it because that's what you want. You want it doesn't matter. Go to Floyd Mayweather. Go to all of them. It doesn't matter if you want to see me win. Just see me, John. Go ahead. I want to avoid. No, I want to avoid going into like people's personal beliefs. But I, I know there was some comments made by Khabib. All the fans that in that direction that were supporting him, I think you're going to find a lot of them have left him. Maybe because of the way that he handled himself, and it, that has nothing to do with religion. That has to do with people, the way that they want to be perceived, and they don't want to be associated with people that handle themselves that way. That's the way. That's. The fans, I think he did lose fans. I think that's what I think. I think. I think in the end, I think he actually, you know, it didn't hurt him because of the way that he went out and fought, because of how he handled Kevin Holland and got the quick win. I think people, they're, they're okay with everything that happened. So winning solves everything. Well, you did say that. <laughs> so winning solves everything. I mean, I, oh yeah, I guess I'll get into it a little bit more, but uh, it's it really comes down to, he is is a very talented fighter. Absolutely, he is. I feel like he's got a lot of growth, and maybe and people are going to criticize me for that. He's young. No, though. I think he does. He's still young, and he's still young in his career. Yeah. And if and I honestly, I'm telling you, you know, for, the real question is: first off, the UFC cannot put him in a championship fight right now. He just missed weight big time, and so you you're. You can't put him in a welterweight title fight. Mm-hmm. That's kind of gone by. He's going to have to have. He's going to have to have a fight before that. Now, we'll see what happens with Leon and Kamaro if they end up getting rematched mm-hmm. and when that happens. But I'm sitting there looking, and I still think that that Colby Covington versus Comzat, if you want to see a role reversal and what David is so – Podcast Dave is so into with that WWE mm-hmm. and someone going from heel to baby face. <laughs> I think you can see Colby Covington turning total baby face with Kamzat being the heel and this being an absolutely entertaining fight, especially the buildup going into it. And I think that they match up so well. I mean, that's the fight to make. If you're the UFC and you don't make Colby Covington and Chemayev right now, you have lost your mind. Yeah, you've never I, seen a fight, John, in the WWE where there's two heels. There's the heel. There's the anti. There's the anti face, and then there's a heel, and they're both hated by the fans. But the anti face is technically loved. Okay, well um, that would be Colby Covington then. Exactly. Well, I look at I look at Kamzat. He's got a lot to offer. He's got a lot of tools. He. The thing is, though, John is. Can he? If you go back, I, I don't know if you can even pull. He did an interview. His coach did an interview. I can't remember who he was with. Maybe it was with Ariel. Maybe it was someone else. But he did an interview, basically saying he was nauseated, he was cramping, he was all of these things. Okay, all these things, Josh. 
How many times when you were cutting weight did you cramp? Quite a bit. Okay. How many times did you feel like shit? Well, like I didn't even, I couldn't even drive myself to the weigh-ins. Every time, I'd always have some. I had some take someone to drive me to the cut weight. Okay. Drive me to the weigh-ins. Were you ever dizzy? Yeah, quite a bit. Okay. Quite a bit. Like I said, he didn't have one thing that he was feeling or was happening that doesn't happen during just about every fucking weight cut. But this is my thing is is that all being said. Why are you having your fighter then continue to make this run at 170 if he's going to go put through this to every time? So yeah. keep him there. Put him at 185. Now, I, do I think he can do well at 170? I think he can. I think at 85 is where he's going to have the problem. Like at 70, Moral I think problem. he's. I think he's got a great chance of becoming a champ. Yep. Because of his athleticism, because of his wrestling mixed in with his, of his striking, size. he his size. He showed. He can take a shot. He can he can go down, but he can also get back up and keep fighting. He's got a dog in him. There's no doubt about all that. I nope. think he's extremely talented. I think his fight IQ lacks. I think that in everyone's like, oh well. I even saw. I think this uh, the young kid with the real frizzy hair that gets hit a lot on the ground when he's getting ground and pounded. Uh, really long and lanky young kid, like 20 years old, 22. Chase Hooper. Oh, Ch- Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper. He put a comment. He's like, man, he's like, can you imagine trying to explain to, to me basically that he has a low fight IQ when he's only been hit? He hasn't been hit like in three or four of his fights of all time. And I'm like, when you look at the level, some of the level of the guys he's fought, they're not on the level of him, which is great. That has nothing to do with fight IQ. That has to do with the fact that he's more talented than they are. When you get to the other, when you get to that top level, and I think in the, in the, in the welterweight division, he's already there on the top level. But we saw with the Gilbert Burns fight, he's there, but Gilbert had him in trouble and there was potential for Gilbert to win that fight. Yep. And so if you put him in, you know, I don't even know how, like with Leon, you put him in with say Usman, put him in with Colby. Sure. He may be do well. He may dominate them as well. He may. The, all those things. He is a big guy for that weight class, but we saw that. He didn't make the weight and he didn't just miss it by two or three pounds. He missed it by fucking eight and a half pounds, seven and a half pounds. Remember, if he fights for the title, he has to make weight. Eight right. and a half pounds is what he missed it by. That's right. That's not like he got close. How many people do you think are going to touch hands with Jemiah from now on? Uh, hopefully none. <laughs> hopefully none. I, but my point is, is look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here to rag on him. I'm simply saying, you guys, he has a lot of growth to to. He has a lot of growth to do. He's got growth. He is, his athleticism, his ability to fight. There's no question. I'm not doubting that. I'm not doubting that at all. I'm simply saying that if he thinks he's going to fight the way that he fought against Kevin Holland, and you guys now are putting Kevin Holland up there in that, that Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, you know, are you putting him up there? Because like, oh, he walked through him. He dominated him. He did this. Yeah. You, he dominated a guy who he is known to be a wrestler. Chamayev is with good stand up. He dominated a guy who is all stand up, decent on the ground off of his back, but was not training for a guy who was going to wrestle him for the last eight weeks or 10 weeks or however long they were getting ready for that fight. Doesn't make like how, how, how many how many wrestling takedowns did uh, Kevin Holland practice as far as takedown defense during his camp for D Rod probably for maybe D-Rod, two or three zero. yeah probably yeah. none and, yeah none. you know and don't get me wrong he should be doing better job of doing of of training his wrestling he should be It'd be nonstop should be doing wrestling no matter who you're fa- you're fighting your your schedule of wrestling should never change pick it up and increase it based on who you are fighting didn't know he was fighting Chimaev okay 
I'll give him the credit. You know, he, he went out there, fought it. He fought as tough as he could, but it does change. You're not, you, you are mentally not prepared to fight someone who's all wrestling. Let's not forget that wrestling is the number one sport you need to have. The number one martial art you need to have if you're going to be a fighter. I, I believe that. If you don't have, if you don't have a wrestle, if you don't have a wrestling background, you're in a lot of fucking trouble with a lot of these top level fighters. You have to have some sort of pedigree of wrestling. And Kevin Holland just proved that. He's got a little bit of jiu-jitsu, really no wrestling. He's got good stand-up. Chamayev went out there, took him down at will. I just look at it as how are you going to put him into a potential title shot or even talk about how he can beat Kamaru Usman, he can beat Colby, and he can beat these guys? Dude, you miss weight by eight and a half pounds. We're not even having that conversation. I'm no, not even no. talking to you about Yeah, You got to show that you can make the weight. They're like, oh, you made it the first time. Okay, you made it the first time. But then he missed it by the second time, eight and a half pounds. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yep. So, all right. Hey, we've uh, we beat this up quite a bit. Yes, I've we got have. a lot of I've got a lot of love for for him as an athlete and a fighter, so I'm looking forward to seeing who he fights next. I want to know if it's gonna be at 70 or if it's gonna be at 85. Colby Covington. It should yes, be Colby I, Covington. I agree with that. I agree with that. Also, guys, before we uh go into WayneInPodcast.com, pick up some of our merch, but before we get into the you know, the 10-8 round, 10-9 shirt, and Josh obviously won this whole show today with the 10-8 round. Although John came through, he, he, had, he delivered a round of, say, 10-8 somewhere in there. I'll give him a 10-8 somewhere. During the Nate <laughs> well, thank rant. You. Thank during you. the Nate rant, that was there, you brought up the USADA thing, and I was like, shit, I totally forgot about that. And uh, that's definitely a 10-8 round on me. Good job, buddy. All right, buddy. Um, but I want to remind you guys, I know we were having some problems with iTunes. iTunes was a total shit show the last two weeks. But... <laughs> We want to let you guys know we are back up, fully loaded. Everything is back on track. And if you guys are writing comments in that section there, I'll go ahead and read those as well. And maybe y'all get in there and write some comments back. I don't know yet. I got to check and see. I don't really ever go through the audio comments on iTunes, but I'm going to now if you guys go ahead and write some comments in that section. But we are back up on iTunes, and we want to thank you guys for bearing with us. I know some of you guys are hitting me up in my DMs going, hey, man, what's going on with iTunes? But we are back. And uh, I want to thank you guys so much. And, John, take us away. For everyone out there, we hope you have a very good week leading up into a really nice fight night with the UFC. Everybody, do me a favor, please. Do something special for someone just because you can. It's going to make you feel good. It's a way to do it. And to everyone out there with Elias Theodora, one more time, rest in peace, brother. We will see you.